Hello, and welcome to The Creatives Project, where we talk about all things photography, as well as art and design, travel, and just life. Let's jump in. Welcome back to The Creatives Project. Happy fall, happy November, or whatever season it may be when you're listening to this in the future. Today, we have a guest on the podcast, my friend Sydney, who is an amazing photojournalist whose work has been in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Vanity Fair, and much more. Her work combines documentary, photojournalism, and fine art photography, and her projects often revolve around topics related to identity, cultural and ecological history, and stories connected to her home state of Florida. She also just recently moved to New York for a staff photography position documenting nonprofit work, which I'm so happy about to have her in the city. Sydney was actually the first one to teach me manual camera settings. I want to say like freshman or sophomore year of college when I first got my first camera. Um, We met in college, I think like at orientation maybe. And since she studied photo, I came to her when I first got my camera and was like, how the hell do you use this? Like, I can't figure out how to shoot manual. All the settings are so confusing. And we shot all around Georgetown in DC. And she basically walked me through the exposure triangle and introduced me to a lot about photography, even though we shot very different things all those years ago. So yeah, I'm super excited to have her on the podcast today, catch up, learn more about photojournalism and what the art form holds for her. So let's dive in. I am so excited for our guest pod today. We have Sydney Walsh and I'll just let her introduce herself and the type of creative work that she does. Hi, my name is Sydney Walsh and I'm a photographer based in New York City and my work primarily focuses on photojournalistic and documentary work. To give a little brief intro, what exactly is photojournalism? Usually when people are photojournalists, it means that they're working for some type of news outlet. And there's there's two type of photojournalists. There's for broadcast and then also still print. And I do the still print photography side of it. Um, so... That means, you know, whenever you read a newspaper or a magazine article or an article online, anything that's news related that a journalist covers and is reporting and writing about, the photojournalist is the person who is photographing that. So, you know, we have our own photojournalistic ethics and rules to follow that is within the whole journalistic ethics and rules, but tailored to photo and yeah, that, that's basically what it is. You know, just kind of, you're supposed to be a fly on the wall, no posing anything, and just documenting what's happening as it happens in reality. So first question, what first got you into photography and photojournalism specifically? Let's get a little origin story. Yeah, so... I originally started photography pretty young. I think I was 12 or 13. And I started it because my dad really enjoyed it as a hobby. And just through that, it was something we kind of bonded over and that I realized 
I really liked. I was more of an introvert when I was younger. And so just observing the world and photographing the world through my own perspective was kind of a way to share my voice and show other people my perspective, especially from someone who is quieter and didn't speak up as often. It was a way to visually represent how I saw everything going on around me. And then I did that for a few years just as a hobby. I would literally drag my parents to the beach at like 5.30 a.m. <laughs> to photograph the sunrise because I, I grew up in Florida on the East Coast and we'd watch the sunrise together. And then when I was in high school, I became a photographer on our news magazine that we had. And that's how I first got introduced into photojournalism and that type of work and documenting things in kind of a with a news angle or a feature story background. And I decided to pursue photojournalism and I went to college for it. That was my major and I never got tired of it. I always loved it. And yeah, now I'm here. <laughs> Wow, what an origin story. I love that. So what age do you feel like you started like photographing things? Do you start on digital? And like as that progressed, how did your craft change like throughout high school and college? Yeah, so when I started, it was like I didn't even have uh, an iPhone, but I was using like either my mom or dad's iPhone, I'd be like, can I borrow your phone? <laughs> Instead of like, can I play games? It was cool. To, so wholesome. It was to take pictures of like just random things I saw. Um, and then I eventually got a point and shoot camera and I used that for a really long time. And then eventually I got a DSLR camera and it, it wasn't full frame. And then I had that all the way like halfway through college and then I finally got my first full frame camera like halfway through college and that's still the same camera I use today. Through high school and college like how did your craft change? Do you feel like the things you photograph are the same? Do you feel like the like your artistic eye has like remained what it was when you were like a kid? The way I see the world and how I photograph it and document it has evolved alongside me as I grow up and go through my own life and my images kind of mirror whatever I'm experiencing in reality I think when I first started you know I was photographing flowers that I saw like on the ground or the the ocean just very typical things that I thought were beautiful and then when I started doing more photojournalistic work, all my work started veering more towards people and noticing what they were doing and a little bit of portraiture here and there. And I slowly started working more with people. And then when I got to college, we had to do all these different assignments in class with like film, black and white film, photographing people, focusing on a place. There's a different theme for each project. And I think that really helped me be a more well-rounded photographer. And 
look at things, like make sure I'm checking all the boxes, I guess, when I'm photographing a story, making sure I'm getting, you know, whoever, whatever the focus is of the story, whether it's the place or the people or one specific person, making sure I'm getting everything so it's combined to tell a really holistic visual representation of whatever it is that the story is about. Mm -hmm. And I think my work has evolved the more that I've learned about the history of photography and the photo industry in its present day. And then also just, you know, looking at other people's work and taking inspiration from them, not just photographers, but painters, sculptors, musicians, writers, just everything in my life inspires my photography. Wow, I love that answer. And I love how you talk about how your work evolves based on like your life experiences and then how that shapes like the type of things you're interested in photographing. Um, from our what you just mentioned, the artists inspiring your work, what artists recently have been inspiring your photography and what about their work stands out to you? When I first started making work about my home state of Florida, I looked to a lot of photographers who had bodies of work that documented Florida. So people like Alex Webb, who has a whole series on that. I did not know Alex Webb was from Florida. That's crazy. I don't, um, I don't think he's from Florida. But I, but I know he has spent oh, a lot of time there. Cool. Yeah, yeah. There's um, I did not know that photo book. It's it's really great. After we can look it up after. I'm sure. Yes. Um, like really beautiful street photography, um, and then a more modern day photographer I was looking at a lot was Rosemary Cromwell, who is more on the fine art side of things, but does um, but still does a lot of editorial work. And I think her work is much more conceptual. And she was based in Miami. Um, and then a lot of the inspiration of other photographers is just people I know and am friends with and who are my colleagues in the industry. And when we have discussions about photography or what's happening in the industry, we just all inspire each other that way. Mm -hmm. And so the other two artists who come to mind are the first one is Rinko Kwauchi, who is a photographer and her work is much more conceptual. She's photographing reality, but in a very ethereal way. Like a lot of the photos are very intentionally blurry mm. or overexposed and it's more poetic. And then she pairs the images with each other to kind of make these visual poems that are very beautiful and not quite as literal as a lot of documentary work is. And then another photographer I really admire is Jan Gross. And he did this specific exhib exhibition where he printed photos and hung them from a tree. Oh, wow. so beautiful. And um, I need to fact check that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was him. So That's sick. He brought a tree into the... No, no, no. It was like he found a tree uh -huh. and the prints 
he like tied them to a string and hung them from a tree. Mm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's sick. Um, yeah, I'll link all the artists below so y'all can check out their work. And yeah, I'm excited to see this photo book that you're talking about. But yeah, so our next question is all about New York. Sydney has just moved to New York, like she talked about in the intro, and you've been here for a solid three weeks and started a new job here. Like, how was the move for you? And what are your first impressions of the photography industry here? Yeah, it was definitely very hectic. I think moving anywhere for anyone, it's, I mean, that's considered like one of the most stressful things in life is moving. Have you been able to experience a little bit of the photography community here? Honestly, no, because I've only been here for three weeks. We but need to do a photo walk together. Yes, that would, yes, that would be great. Um, but I, I know a lot of people in the industry here and I definitely need to get together with them at some point. But I've heard that the industry here is super oversaturated. Mm-hmm. There's too many photographers. And when I was in school, everyone would say, like when we'd have guest speakers come in and speak to our class, they would all say, don't go to New York, D.C. or L.A. There's too many photographers in those three places. Go somewhere else where there's lots of stories happening, but there's not as many photographers mm. because you want to be a big fish in a small pond. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the flip side, there's also a lot of things going on in those three cities. Like there's a lot of photographers, but there's also a lot more work. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's definitely a trade-off. You know, you definitely have to hustle if you're in, if you're here in D.C. or L.A. a lot more than you would somewhere else. I think all photographers have to hustle no matter what. But I think in really major cities like this, it's much harder and more difficult. And you really have to put yourself out there more often than you would in an place Mm, yeah that completely makes sense Mm -hmm. so all that being said you moved from florida to here so like you like taking that advice do you feel like it has like scared you in any way or you're like i'm ready to hustle like this is like why thinking about that advice did you move here yeah so when i was in florida it was the perfect place to freelance There's always something crazy happening there. There's always some attachment. Really? I mean, it's it's the Florida connection. There's all someone in any story always has some connection to Florida. I mean, it's a huge state and everyone from all over the US goes there to retire, to vacation, to have their second house, whatever it is. So there's always something happening there or someone's always writing about it and they always need photos because it's usually an interesting story that has a lot of visual nuances that the editors want people to see on paper in photos so that made it i think that was really helpful for freelancing because there weren't as many photographers the photo industry especially photojournalists and documentary photographers are really really tight everyone knows everyone and the way I was getting my assignments was through word of mouth you know like once I got hired by 
for doing an assignment at the Wall Street Journal, then all these other big publications followed because the editor posts it and or they tell their friends that I just worked with this photographer. Or now I know someone in Florida, like you should look her up. And then they put you in their internal database and keep getting assignments. And your byline, the more people see it, the more assignments you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it worked there. And then, but I decided that I really wanted to be up here. All my friends and family are up here. And uh, yeah. And so I thought that the best way to come up here would be to get a staff job. So that's what I was looking for, something that I thought I'd be really excited about, that I was qualified for, and that piqued my interest, and that just happened to be in New York. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was kind of keeping on the lookout for. And luckily, I found something, and I applied, and... I got the job. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and and it ended up working out. And I'm I'm really grateful for that. For sure. Would you be able to talk a little bit about the differences of a staff job versus like freelance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there's a huge difference. And and it depends too on which part of the industry you're working on, of course. Like so like in the editorial, I th- I think I kind of think that photojournalism, documentary, editorial all kind of goes hand in hand in the photo industry Um, because a lot of it, it's like print publications. And nowadays, all these print publications are owned by the same conglomerate companies. Like all the newspapers, they're owned by the same two companies. Mm. And the magazines are all owned by the same two companies. So the biggest difference, I would say, so with freelancing is that you have to hustle a lot more. You have to put yourself out there. You work probably double, if not more, hours-wise, because everything you're doing is work when you're freelancing. Sending emails, looking at other photographers' work, going on Instagram is work. Like I had to make a rule for myself. You're not allowed to go on Instagram after 5 p.m. Mm, because it's work. That's a great idea. My entire Instagram feed is only photographers' work. Mm-hmm. And me looking at other photographers' work is part of my job mm-hmm. uh, to, so I can keep up with the industry, get inspiration, and be updated at what's going I'm gonna on. I'm going to make that role for myself, actually. Yeah. yeah. yeah this because- is me when I'm scrolling on Reels, and I'm like, this is market research. Yeah, <laughs> but it is. It really yeah. is. And if you're not careful, like, it can be really toxic because... You know, you see all these people posting, I got this new job, I did this new assignment, I'm working on this new project. And you're like, I feel like I'm not doing anything. I'm just Mm -hmm. scrolling here, seeing all these other people be successful. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Should I be doing this? Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, back to the freelancing staff. Sorry, I I agree with this. I keep going. This is like a whole other topic. Like Instagram for photographers is like so hard because you need it to like market yourself. And it's like this portfolio and like Mm -hmm. little squares. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it can be so damaging to mental health and like comparison traps. So I totally get what you're saying. We can talk about that later. Yeah. 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 We're going to circle back. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. It's super important to, I think that's an important point. But yeah, I think 
the biggest difference between freelance and staff positions are the amount of hours you work and the effort you're putting in. Like freelancing, you have to do so much more because you're not getting an assignment from your editor every day. When you work a staff job at a newspaper, usually you get an assignment once a day and you go out, you do your assignment, you turn the photos in, that's your day. If you're a freelancer, you you don't have an editor you directly report to. You have to find editors to pitch yourself to and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm based here, I do this type of work, please look at my portfolio. And who knows if they're even going to open their email, that email that you send, because they're, they're super busy. Mm-hmm. And it's having to do that is a lot of work sending emails, like I said, going on social media, updating your website, keeping track of all your books and your financial. And then when you have a staff job, you get a paycheck every two weeks. You Mm -hmm. have benefits, you have health insurance. When you're freelancing, you don't have all of those things. You have to provide it yourself. You have to pay yourself. And you have to like have your own back. There's not a company standing behind you. Mm -hmm. And then I think, yeah, the other thing is when you're freelancing, you're not at least like if you're working for a news outlet, you can't say, I work for XYZ publication. You have to say, oh, I'm freelancing for this publication. You're mm. not really supposed to like associate yourself with it, with the exception of you freelancing for them. Whereas when you're a staff photographer, you're the face of the company. You're representing them at all times. A lot of times if, if you're a staff photographer, you have to sign a non-compete. You're not allowed to photograph for other companies. Or if you are allowed to photograph for other companies or other publications, it can't be photographing the same topic or um, story as your publication maybe would publish. Whereas when you're a freelancer, you're not bound by a contract to any one publication. You can diversify your clients and you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. So I think those are the biggest difference is yeah that's so interesting we hear about in like the photojournalism world because yeah I've, I've never really thought about like how these conglomerates own all the publications and probably talk to each other about all of this so yeah thanks for shining a light on that before you moved to new york though you're working in the miami herald would you be able to talk about your experience there, like what you learned? It was right after you graduated college. So as your first like freelance full-time job, um, like what did you think about the experience and what things have you learned about photojournalism and your craft while you're there? The main thing I learned when I was at the Miami Herald was how to think on my feet really fast. Because every day or multiple times a day, sometimes I would get an assignment and it can be because it's a newspaper, it could be sports, it could be breaking news, it could be a feature story, it could be this long-term investigative piece they're doing. It could be anything that a reporter is writing about. And so I had to switch gears all the time. And because, you know, when you're photographing a baseball game, it's completely different in a lot of ways than if you're photographing a news story. Like with sports, you have to know what's going on in the game. And you have to what makes a good photo for sports photography is very different than when make that what makes a good photo for a feature story. And so I had to do a lot of gear switching in my brain 
and figure out right then and there, no matter, I could always be super prepared, but there is always a surprise yeah. that happened or something you don't expect. You'd always have to be prepared and think of a way to visually represent what they're writing about and what the story is about really, really fast. And a lot of times, you know, pe people are busy. They don't have a lot of time to, you know, be photographed. And so you have to be aware of that too and respect their time. And so it's a lot of moving parts all at once. And so learning how to multitask all at once was something I learned there. And I also, I had to do a video with almost every assignment too. Oh. There. And so that's a whole other thing is, you know, switching that gear because video and photo, you know, they're very similar, but they're also very different. Yeah. And how you record video is kind of non-linear, at least the way we were doing it and editing it and putting it together. And how long did the video have to be? A minute, max two minutes. Okay. So then there's longer pieces every now and then. Uh, so not too long, but we had to have A roll clip, B roll, kind of just like a little, a mini like news documentary clip. So doing that, you know, I had to figure out, okay, like, and a lot of times, you know, when you work with your editor or the reporter, you would ask, what's more important, the video or the photo? Because I quickly learned that if, if I'm trying to make both things good, they're both going to turn out mediocre. Mm. it's better to have a really, really good video or really, really good photos. Because if you try to make both of them perfect and beautiful and amazing, you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to mess something up. It's it's just too much for one person. Yeah. So Did you use the same camera? Yes, I, oh. I used the mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, you did have to think on your feet, huh? <laughs> yeah. But, but it was exciting. I mean, a really big learning curve. And luckily, I think my college classes really prepared me for it really well, which That's is good. great. But I mean, there's nothing better, I think, than actually going out in the field and doing it. That's the best way to learn. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely learned a lot there. Yeah. What was one of your favorite videos or photos that you've taken while you're there? Every year... Miami has this thing called Miami Carnival and it's like a huge celebration in the fairgrounds and it's mostly like Caribbean culture and everyone's having so much fun and when I did it is during the hurricane season and so it was pouring rain but everyone was like still continued doing everything as they normally would and everyone was having so much fun and getting to be with everyone and have fun with them and then also make those photos and experience that was one of my favorite assignments, I think. Yeah, that sounds mm -hmm. amazing. I feel like the energy when you're photographing events is definitely mm -hmm. so much fun. So Yeah, and then, of course, there's always um, stories that we did that were, like, more socially focused. We did a story on the housing. We did a few stories on the housing crisis in Miami. And it's super insightful and really important, you know, to be within the community on the ground and talk to them about their experience and shed light on whatever they're experiencing and 
letting the rest of the public and public officials and government officials know what's going on. And so I think that was something that was super important that I really enjoyed doing was, and also I think helped me be more civically engaged and be more aware and conscious of what was going on in the community that I lived in. For sure. Yeah. I feel like photography can be like your key to those communities because without a camera or like without the ability to capture the story, it's like hard to talk to people about it. It's like, why would they want to tell you their story without Mm -hmm. like you being there? So that's really cool. You're able to do that. Thinking back on your previous projects, I remember in college, you were working on your senior thesis titled From There to Here, Highlighting Interracial Adoption. And do you want to talk a little bit about that project? I just remember seeing it on Instagram and you posting about it and sharing on it. And as a adoptee yourself, like what did that hold in your heart for you while you were making that? That Yes, the project was something that I had been wanting to do for a really long time. And I started it my second year of college. And I think doing a project that personal really allowed me to like self-reflect and meet new people who are having similar experiences me and share each other's stories and our experiences with each other helped me with that work. So I started it and it wasn't originally my thesis, but the more I worked on it, I, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that that's what my thesis was going to mm. be because I, I knew I had to have a thesis by the time I graduated. And so you started as a personal project? Yeah, I just started oh, that's it. so cool. You know, we had to do like projects, a long-term photo project, and I chose that as my topic. And that's how I, I started it. And when I went home for the pandemic, I, because when I first started it, I was mostly looking outwards towards other people who were also interracial adoptees. Mm -hmm. But then when the pandemic happened, I couldn't be around other people. So I had to turn the camera to myself, which a lot of photographers, I think most photographers did because they didn't have any other option during the pandemic. And that was super helpful because it won. I kind of had to experience being in front of the camera, which you know, people are very vulnerable when they're in front of the camera and photographers have to understand that. And a lot of times they don't because they're always behind the camera instead of in front of it. So I think it's really important that photographers are in front of the camera sometimes so they can get a refresher of what it feels like, you know, because it's really uncomfortable it for is, a lot of people yeah. to be in front of the camera, you know, Um I know I recently had to model for one of my friends who's a photographer and I was like, I I don't know how models do this. I mm-hmm. like cannot control my facial expression. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really interesting, especially in a society where already with social media and all this modern technology, you feel like you're being watched anyway. And then when you have someone physically with the, holding a camera pointed at you, you know, like it can that that is a whole other conversation um but anyway (laughs) 
that we were talking about earlier. So just going back on that, like, what are your thoughts on Instagram right now? Like, do you feel like your mental health is in a good place surrounding that? I think that Instagram can be very dangerous for your mental health as a photographer, or not even as a photographer, for anyone on social media, especially especially if you're chronically on it, which a lot of people are, because mm-hmm. that's how the apps are built. You know, mm-hmm. the companies, they want you to be on it all the time. Um, but a lot of photographers nowadays are saying that, you know, it's our our worst enemy, but also our best friend, because you're kind of minimizing your work to this overly saturated platform of photos and infographics and all this other information but at the same time it's also your best friend because it's super accessible everyone has instagram most editors that's how they find you is through instagram and if you're not constantly posting and putting updates about your life and the most recent work that you've been doing editors are gonna forget about you because you're not showing up in their feed as often and so it's it's almost like a game you know Mm -hmm. you have to really sell yourself and sell your work on this platform that's not i mean it originally was meant for photography and but now i think there's just a whole other mix of all these other things and your photos that you know you've put a lot of time and effort into they just disappear into the void Mm -hmm. and you know unless the algorithm it's bringing your photos up and it only does it if you're, you know, like doing the things it wants you to do, then it's it's just hard. And I think a lot of photographers are starting to find other ways to put their final work, like, you know, doing uh, photo books or photo zines or just only putting photos on their website. Mm-hmm. So you can only, you know, view it on their website rather than social media. So I think there's both pros and cons to it. For sure, yeah. I feel like as a photographer that's like just starting out or like doesn't have clients or needs work, I feel like it can become so harmful. So I see like how for like photographers who are starting because like I feel like people who have experience, sure, they can just have their work on their website and people will find them because they know their work. But like someone who, yeah, doesn't have that yet needs to like market themselves. And that's the only way, like mainstream way that you can do it. And with like the curation of images, it's just so interesting because you can only view it in like three by three squares. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a like sad way to view it at times because it's only presented in the way like Instagram wants you to see it. And yeah, I feel like through that, this year actually is the first year I started realizing like the powerful magic that a photo book holds because that is like the intended way that the artist wants you to see the photos. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's Instagram and social media can be super limiting when it comes to photography. I mean, even in the, all the technical aspects, like, the DPI and the resolution isn't as okay. The color is going to look different on everyone's screen. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's a photo book, it's, you know, you have a way of minimizing all of those different things and 
um, you know, everyone's looking at it in a more streamlined, similar way, and they have a similar experience viewing the work. But it's also not as accessible as Instagram or social media platforms are. So, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, you talked earlier about how on Instagram now you're only trying to look at it before 5 p.m. because that's like during work hours. Um, did you like have a period in your life where you're like struggling with Instagram a lot and you like implemented that for yourself or like what other types of like tips or like rules for your for your like Instagram or like social media use did you set for yourself and have they helped? Yeah, uh, I think Instagram was the main one because I was on it all the time and it was mostly just like on my photo account that I was always on. And before I'd go to bed, I would just be doom scrolling, looking at what this person is doing, look at, at this work and going down the rabbit hole of all these things. And it was just too much stimulation for my brain, like right before I go to sleep, which is not healthy. And, mm. you know, once I realized going on Instagram is actually work because you're looking at all of those things, then I, I realized maybe I need to set up a boundary for myself. Yeah, I need to also set that. I feel like the 5 p.m. <laughs> one is a good one. Um, but I don't know if you feel like this when you're freelancing, but a lot of the hours that we work are not 9 to 5. Like right now, it's 6.39. I'm like, this is work. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah. how did you manage that when you're freelancing? Um. So it's like, yeah, maybe I have a good Instagram boundary, but everything else... I'm I'm still would when I was freelancing or still am freelancing I'd be checking my email all the time mm. because you know whoever responds to the email first gets the assignment um or constantly like updating my website or looking at other people's website mm -hmm. or just like doing research and going down a rabbit hole on Google search uh like you know or like you read an article about one photographer's work and then they mention another photographer and that photographer mentions another photographer and mm -hmm. you just keep going and going and then all of a sudden it's midnight <laughs> and you're like, I need to go to sleep. Your eyes are like bloodshot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I have a new segue now um, for budding photojournalists maybe people who are looking to get into photojournalism what kind of advice do you have for them or like what advice do you wish you had when you first started i think being honest with the people you're collaborating with the people you're photographing um i think just being honest with them is the most important thing because you know you want to make images and you want to photograph usually people with photojournalism and i think the best way to do that is to actually form genuine connections with people that want to share their story with you and i think that's the most important thing is you know making sure that your intentions are right and that you actually have a genuine interest in what their story is or the work they're doing or you know whatever you find interesting about who you're photographing maybe make sure that it's not just because you think oh this is going to be good for my portfolio you know i think in especially in the photojournalism documentary world 
there's a long history of tokenizing people and photographing uh, communities in really stereotypical ways just to enhance a photographer's portfolio. And I, I think people need to steer away from that and we need to get away from that as an industry. Um, that would be my, my biggest advice, I guess. And then also just talk to everyone and put yourself out there because, because you, one, you have to. And then it's just, it's great because that's, that's how you get work. You know, if someone's not available for something, they say, Oh, I know so and so. You should look at their work, you know, and just, just be nice to everyone too because it's such a small industry. I, literally everyone knows everyone. <laughs> it's insane. Wow, that's all great advice for the budding photojournalists. I love it. In terms of the future for you, what does the future hold? Any creative plans, personal projects, or anything you're excited about with your new job? Yeah, I think I definitely want to continue my thesis work in some way and continue photographing that topic. Um, I don't know if it's going to be in like the same way with the portraits and the mixed media or maybe i'll you know go in a different direction but same topic but it's definitely a really important project to me that i want to continue and i don't really feel like it's finished yet so mm. i want to continue it for a little bit and i love that what do you feel like is missing i don't know like i've all the most recent portfolio of reviews i've been to that's the work i show people mm -hmm. And I always say, like, I think something's missing. I, I don't know what it is. Like, can you give me any advice? And, you know, they all give their two cents. And it's been very insightful and helpful. And, you know, I think is helping me ideate ide new ways to photograph this project. But I don't know exactly what, but in, yeah, I don't know. Something, something's missing. <laughs> I feel like only the artist knows, like, like, like from the outside looking in, like, sure, it looks, yeah. could look completely done, but to you, yeah, only yeah. you can it's like, know what it is. Yeah, like you just feel like something's finished when it's finished. Mm -hmm. That's the only way I can explain it, at least for personal. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm excited to see what you'll do with it in the future. Excited. Well, thank you again, Sydney, for being on the pod. It was so nice to catch up with you and talk about your photojournalism work and what you've been up to since college. So yeah, thank you again for being on the pod. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And that's a wrap. Thank y'all so much for listening to episode six of The Creatives Project. And thank you again, Sydney, for being an amazing guest. It was super interesting for me to learn more about the photojournalism world and how that world even operates. I feel like there's so many different avenues of photography and it's always very inspiring to learn about photography in a different industry, take that with you and have that inspire your own work. And as always, I appreciate all y'all's support on the Creatives Project, and I'll see you soon in the next episode.